You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. On this episode, Aaron and I are going to recap and analyze season two, episode 14 of Chuck. That is Chuck versus the best friend. And hey, if you want to be our best friend, make sure to you send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any Chuck-related uh, anecdotes or questions or anything like that, maybe we'll read it on the air. You can also follow us, your new best friends, on Twitter at gochuckpodcast to stay up to date with any kind of Go Chuck Yourself news. Also, if you want to be our best friend, the best thing that you can do is like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you want to be our best, 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 best friend, you can write a review. That's all you got to do. Just, you know, maybe maybe it's one sentence. Maybe it's two sentences. Let us know what you like about the show. We would be very glad to hear it. And you will be our best friends forever. All right. I think uh, on that note, best friends, let us begin the show. Here we go. Welcome. We're best friends. Well, I consider you more of an acquaintance, but okay. uh, that's kind of. I told you last night I was going to have you in my bridal party. Did, did I tell you that? You did not tell me that. Okay, you well, must I was have thought that. Uh, and I will counter that with saying that several years ago you asked me to officiate your wedding. So. Oh well, I mean, you could do that too. You already signed signed that contract. Speaking you sold of your best friends, I just watched the show Friends. For the first time in many years. Yeah, and little it, known show Friends. How was that? It just doesn't hold up. No? I mean, maybe maybe some episodes of it hold up, but um, Chandler's uh, transparent does not hold up. Not transparent, the Amazon show, but the, his his parent who is trans. Because, like, that's the joke. Like, ha ha ha. Friends. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Best friends. Chuck versus the best friend. Well, yes, that he's Chuck is uh, is versus the best friend this week. My name is Chris Gillespie. Oh, yeah, right. We, that's something we do. Uh, my name is Aaron Arata. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. It's the Chuck podcast. Uh, and before I, uh, you know, we dive into it, I do have a correction to make from a, a previous episode. Oh, another one of these. Another one of these. Because <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're all we're all friends here. I mean, aside from Aaron and I, who I would consider, I mean... <sighs> Like a step, Thank be- you. a step between uh, peers and acquaintances. Um, oh, so I'm even lower than acquaintance. <laughs> I, want, I didn't want to get your hopes up the first time when I said acquaintance. Like, rel- so I'm like someone like someone you see regularly, like waiting for the subway. But like you don't talk to like you see them and like maybe you have some eye contact and you're like, oh, we both see each other sometimes. But like you're not friends. Yeah, you could go in that direction. I was thinking okay like a coworker for a job that I only do one day a week. <laughs> is this that job? Uh, I guess so. All right. So like I see you and I'm happy to see you. Cause like there's not a lot of other people that do this job currently. So like I have to make do with who I'm stuck with, but oh, nice. uh, otherwise, you know, like I don't care about your personal life. No, I oh, okay, thanks. Okay, good. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> so all of this is to say, uh, I have to apologize to you as well as to the listeners of our show, as well as to, I believe, uh, Warner Brothers, or whoever is in charge of packaging the DVD box set. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we watched Chuck versus the Third Dimension, 
I believe we had a good time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, okay. You're not correcting me, so I'm going to say <laughs> that you did not have a good time. Um, so I had said some strong words about the 3D version of the episode not being included in the DVD box set, if okay. you recall. Yes, I, I do recall. I was I was roasting it. But the other day, I was flipping through uh, the DVD box set. The little, you know, how it is. It's, it's like yep. a little binder not a binder but portfolio kind of thing yep, yep. Mm-hmm. i was flipping through it looking at all of the dvds in the set because i do not have friends and not the, the show friends or friends friends i don't have any i don't have any dvd box sets of friends to flip okay. through so i have to flip through this check box okay set. thank you for clarifying and i noticed that on the final desk the final disc in the set uh i i don't know if you know this but each one of the discs has a different character on it so like disc one is chuck and then just two is Sarah, and then three oh, is Casey. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Four is Morgan. Oh, and five is usually Ellie and Awesome. And then okay. six is like Big Mike and okay, Jeff yeah, and Lester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the last disc with the nerd herd folks on it has a stamp on it that says features bonus 3D episode. Ah. With the little nerd herd guy wearing 3D glasses. Uh, so apparently it is in the DVD box set. They do not list it on the back of the box, which I read the first time we watched the episode, but it okay. is there. So it I guess is there. In, so you got to watch it. I got to watch it to make <laughs> in my, I think my penance will be I will have to watch that entire episode <laughs> in 3D uh, yeah. and I will report back on it later in the season. But that will be my <laughs> my punishment. Sounds good. Yes, that's your punishment. Yes. It, I thought it was weird that they included 3D glasses and not the episode. Well, I was dumbfounded and I, it makes sense that Do it's there. Do you think there. it's just like they can't put it on a regular disc but they have other stuff on that disc that's presumably not 3d yeah i think so but maybe it takes up more space or something i don't know we're not we're not a science i'll let you know i don't know why they put it at the end and why it didn't say anything on the back of the box okay. but yeah yeah i mean you would think they would say like includes the special 3d episode and i'll admit i don't typically you know check the cover of all the different dvds before we record this episode really? to make okay. sure that there's I thought, no <laughs> i would have thought that would be something you did oh is there anything that goes against what i'm about to say in this episode <laughs> uh no it looks like we're good uh so yeah so i apologize if you're going around telling all your friends like hey the dvd the season two dvd box set is all uh is all faulty because it doesn't that actually have a 3D sounds episode. like something i would do so yeah thank you. well don't yeah. do it okay just stop okay i'll stop <laughs> Stop dead in your tracks. Uh, just as I am doing to this introduction. I, I'm i good to get into it because it is a pretty, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but I think we'll have a lot to talk about in this episode. Okay. If you if you listen to this show often uh, and you know anything about yeah. this plot of the episode, you will also know that we will have a, quite a few opinions on it. Uh, quite a few. I will back down uh, and I will turn the floor over to you. I would just like to preface this episode by saying that I initially for a very brief period of time, was supposed to get a colonoscopy yesterday. <laughs> but for I'm several reasons, several reasons which I will not get into, I backed out of that. Oh, no. No pun intended. Oh, no. And watch this episode instead. And I can confidently say that this episode is better than a colonoscopy. That is my review. All right. That's a good review. We'll uh, we'll come back to that later, I suppose, maybe <laughs> much like you and your colonoscopy in the future. Yeah, maybe I'll get back to it. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Hopefully not. But we'll see. So we begin the episode in Tarzana, California in 1992. That's a, that's in the valley. I looked it up because I have never heard of it before despite that I live here, but it is here. Um, 1992, before I was born. Before yeah. you were born also. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So these are all true statements. Yeah. Um, I got really jazzed about a flashback to Chuck's childhood. Unfortunately, it's only tangentially a flashback to Chuck's childhood because we only see Chuck in silhouette. No, we're treated to a young Morgan Grimes about to be beaten up by a girl for spying on her in gym class. Before justice can be served, Morgan yells for help and Chuck comes to the rescue. We know it's Chuck because he's wearing Converse's. Do you think they're the same ones that he wears now or do you think they're different? Well, I uh, I used to work in the shoe department of a department uh-huh. store. So mm-hmm. a little insider information about shoes is that people's uh, when you start out as a child yeah. and as you grow into an adult, your feet grow as well. What? Yeah. Oh, you, mine, mine didn't. Were you born with size? Yeah, I was born with size feet? nine. They're nine. Nine? Okay. Yeah. What do you think of the actors that uh, the kid actors like? I know we don't see Chuck, but I thought his like his speaking cadence was like very Chuck like. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up because okay. it, do you think it sounded because they don't show oh, young Chuck's good... face at all? Okay. It sounded like they just took Zachary Levi's voice and just altered the pitch a little bit. All right. I I didn't I forgot that that was something that is possible, but they could have definitely done that. It's something that's very possible. I can do yeah. it using the, the limited technology that I have for this show. <laughs> I can make us sound like that, but I will not do that. Um, that would be a good bit, though. But why wouldn't they just have a kid with pretending to be Chuck? Why do they have to like black, like just be a silhouette and like, black I don't know. I don't know why they did that. It's kind of strange. I was- I was just thinking, like, oh, maybe this kid has, like, a really Chuck-like voice. And then they just, like, he doesn't look like Chuck, so they just showed him the silhouette. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, your Yours makes sense, too. And then they just had to do, like, the least amount of work possible. <laughs> but they showed Morgan. Right. They showed Morgan and had a child saying the lines as young Morgan. But yeah. they couldn't do that for Chuck. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that comes up later when they have a, another actor playing young Chuck. I'm not sure. Yeah. maybe Maybe there's a reason. But we don't know what it is. What we do know is that young Chuck tells young Morgan that he should stay away from girls for like 15 years. We then cut to Morgan giving a PowerPoint presentation that's just one picture of Anna in the home theater room. And the subtitle says 15 years later, give or take a few. It's always always promising when we open on uh, Morgan giving a presentation about Anna in the home theater room. Mm -hmm. Now we know we know what we're in for. (laughs) So apparently Morgan and Anna have broken up. Which, um, there's a continuity error here, because in the last episode it was Valentine's Day, and Morgan and Anna were together, so what we can kind of believe is that they just break up and get back together all the time, but actually what happened was this episode was supposed to air before the Suburbs episode, so this was supposed to be Anna and Morgan get back together at the end, and then they are together in the valentine's day episode mm-hmm. and there's not the break but because the episodes were swapped it's like a little bit confusing there's a little bit of continuity you kind of have to like jump with them oh because this, this this is supposed to be continuing like after... the christmas plot yeah. line okay yeah. okay okay so that makes sense yeah but we're just gonna go ahead with it um one thing we learned during Morgan's weird PowerPoint presentation that I just want to highlight is that anna is 96 pounds and that made me that made my heart hurt I know people are 96 pounds. Some people in your life that you may not even know they're 96 pounds. They could be walking I, amongst you this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something. And that's something that Morgan knows also is the other thing that made my heart hurt about that is that he just knows. Like, I don't think I mean, I'm not going to ask, if you know, my weight. That's not a game I want to play. But well, I have um, been uh, practicing being a carnival <laughs> barker and guessing people's weight. So <laughs> Yeah. So apparently Morgan has discerned that Anna might have a new boyfriend. So he'd like Chuck, Jeff, and Lester to help him spy on her. 
There's some kind of funny dramatic irony where everyone jokes about how Chuck isn't cut out for spycraft and it's Jeff and Lester's forte. Mm -hmm. It might actually be right, though, because Chuck says he doesn't feel comfortable stalking another human being. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, the albatross around his neck, that is Morgan, says, please, (laughs) and Chuck caves. (laughs) We move to the Bartowski household where Ellie is yelling, Devin, I really need you, and Devin arrives in nothing but a towel. He says he only has a couple minutes of work, but if you don't mind a little drive through when you're used to fine dining, and then he takes off the towel. And I thought that was pretty good. Ellie actually needs help with wedding planning. This really hit hard for me because after this, I have to go through my best friend's wedding to-do list. So, um, relatable. Uh, Ellie is burned out from planning everything on top of her job and interpersonal relationships, so she asked Devin to pull his weight. Apparently, the decisions that they made when his parents were in town are moot now mm-hmm. like did they because they like booked a venue and a cake and everything like did they just back out of that well, i know yeah. it wasn't what ellie wanted yeah but, like, ellie had her meltdowns so maybe they yeah. just canceled everything yeah devin says marriage is a partnership a wedding should be too which i thought was a really good line and a really mm-hmm. nice sentiment on his part i also wanted to note here that the amazon subtitles have been calling him just captain like not captain awesome <laughs> it's just captain so they said, Captain laughs. <laughs> I love that. Then Ellie and Devin decide to have the drive through after all. Ayo. Wink. Um, the Nerd Herd gang gets into Jeff's van, which he has apparently decked out with whatever spy gear he can afford, probably from the spy shop that's in the Bymore Plaza. <laughs> which Casey and Sarah uh, do not shop in, allegedly, nope. even well, though it's right, it's right there. But if everyone's shopping at the spy store, then, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Well, I mean, you don't want to run into Jeff there. So maybe that's their big (laughs) issue. They just never know when he'll be there. (laughs) No, but I guess if you think about it realistically, like the patrons of a spy gear store would basically all be like Jeff. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. well, moving on from that. uh, Chuck is creeped out, much like me right now, but he's still supporting his friends. We find out that Casey and Sarah are supporting him by keeping an eye on this, quote, spy mission, end quote. Atlanta drives off. Lester says subject is on the move and drives off after her. In his crown Vic, Casey says idiots are on the move and drives <laughs> off after them. So this implies that Anna has never seen Jeff's van, right? Well, uh, yeah, I guess. But is it his yeah. only vehicle? Because then when she recognized it from the Bymore parking lot? I don't know. Yeah, this is. I mean, it brings up questions. But I mean, L.A. has a lot of cars. That's like one thing about L.A. Yeah, um, interesting tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I wasn't really paying so much attention to the exterior of Jeff's van, but maybe Mm -hmm. she would have just assumed that it was like some van. So everyone arrives at a restaurant where Anna is waiting for her date to arrive. She has pink highlights now, and I really like them. I'm assuming her date is her dad and it's Gary Cole again. Yeah. I've seen this episode before. Uh, Yeah, I was hoping. I was hoping, but... um... Hey, schnook. So the nerd herd gang pulls up, and I don't, I don't really know where where they are in relation to this restaurant because they're like right next to the dining area that's like out in the open. So I don't know if there's like a street there or a parking lot there. But they have their windows down. They have one of the doors open, and they have binoculars up to their eyes. So Sarah says, "Looks like some pretty decent spy work," but I do not agree. I do not know how Anna doesn't see them. They're very conspicuous. <laughs> Yeah, I thought Sarah would have been more jaded and cynical yeah. of like, oh, no, these people clearly don't know. A good job. She's being weirdly supportive. Yeah. Anna's new boyfriend, whose name is Jason Wang, shows up. 
who's played by Jack Yang, and he's absolutely gorgeous, so I'm really happy for Anna, especially when they kiss. Morgan says that they better abort mission because he can't compete with someone with healthy hair and a clean smile, which is pretty healthy on his part. I mean, like, yeah, like, he he's doing something really creepy right now, but he's like, you know what? Anna's happy. I'm going to move on. And mm-hmm. then the episode ends, and we're all just so happy. <laughs> it was just a little micro episode. Yeah, it was just small. It was on the special features desk. <laughs> No, what actually happens is right at this moment, Chuck flashes on Jason's license plate, and Jason is dangerous. We don't know exactly how. There's something with, like, uh, transporting goods, but mm-hmm. he's dangerous. We cut to Castle, where Sarah says the general will be available momentarily to talk about the situation. So, sure, she could just pop in on Casey on his night off, but God forbid anyone ever do that to her. <laughs> While they're waiting, Chuck examines some new spy gear, including white phosphorus hidden in tennis ball canisters and mint-flavored knockout spray, which Chuck seems weirdly interested in. So, uh, I was confused by this because, okay. I mean, this doesn't really give anything away, but the knockout spray comes back later. Yes. But the tennis balls do not. No, maybe. I mean, yeah, I think I think they were just kind of setting up like, look at some gadgets that we have. I guess so. I just was maybe of, maybe it'll come back in a couple episodes or something. Because I was getting the vibes of like, oh, it's like the like James Bond movies or whatever, when he has Q and he's showing yeah. him all the gadgets. And then each one yeah. kind of comes back like Chekhov's gun, sort of. Not this one. The tennis balls are never seen again. And I kept no. waiting throughout the episode yeah. for him to use the tennis balls. Maybe and... they cut it for a second. Like maybe they did use it and they cut it out. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So Beckman finally decides to grace us with her presence. And she says that Jason is connected to a smuggling operation in L.A., Beckman says Chuck needs to befriend Jason and gather intel, so we're back to that type of plot after a much-needed break. (laughs) Chuck is reluctant to befriend his best friend's ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. Beckman is completely unsympathetic to this. Chuck wakes up the next morning to find Devin sitting next to his bed. Devin makes a point to say that while Chuck was asleep, Devin is just getting home. He also didn't change out of his scrubs because there is blood on them. I don't know if you noticed that, mm-hmm. but that was disgusting. <laughs> uh, Devin says he's too busy to find a band for the wedding, so he asked Chuck to do it. I I wrote down here, I would rather die than give my husband control over music for our wedding. Oh. So, I have something a to remember. Of, I have a couple of bands for uh, Devin to consider. There's... Uh, Dangerous Woman from the Dance Floor. Yes. And there is Butt Williams. Butt Williams. I love Butt Williams. Two very new promising artists that yep. you can check out. So yeah. what what responsibilities do you have for the wedding? Are you finding the music or no for your friend's for, wedding? Um, n- well, actually, so they're not having a DJ. They're having just like Spotify. So I am helping with the playlist. Oh, okay. So I'm, that's something that I'm going to do today. I'm going to yeah. help uh, make a list of photographs pictures that we would uh we would like to have i'm gonna be in charge of like because everyone knows that i have like a big voice and i love talking to large groups of people i'm gonna be in charge of like coordinating like making announcements saying like ladies and gentlemen it's time for the first dance that's gonna be aaron i know you were kidding when you were saying that and you're being sarcastic but you said it with such confidence and i think that's the <laughs> confidence that you need when you're doing that right, i think okay. you'll be fine yeah and also like you do this which yeah so you have experience. I, know, I was thinking like our audience may not uh, may not know about about me. Right. <laughs> they might think that I am a strong, confident woman. But what well, you are. I want to be who I am on Go Chuck Yourself. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker right there. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Chuck is dubious about helping with the wedding music, but Devin insists. So Chuck says he will do it. Um, back with Sarah and Casey, Chuck is freaking out about um, his mission. 
For once, Casey offers some support, which I thought was nice. He cites Semper Fi and admires Chuck's commitment to his friends. Unfortunately, Sarah and Casey do agree that Chuck has to follow orders. Back at work, Chuck starts crawling possible bans, despite the fact that he works at a computer store, so can he just Google them or email them or something? Like, why does he have to do it over the phone? Things aren't going well, but things go from bad to way better when Jeff and Lester overhear the call and we get the first series mention of Jeffster, Jeff and Lester's band. I did not know that it was mentioned this early in the series. Yeah, I know. It's This is... Uh, if, if you're just watching uh, Chuck for the first time, this is something that's going to come back. So you can, if you like them, you can be happy about that. If you don't, then I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeffster's going to be around. I was kind of in the, uh, I guess the, the latter, no, the former, mm-hmm. which was the second one. I <laughs> was in this. <laughs> you don't like it or you do like it? I was in the second camp of thinking of this where I was like, oh, I thought we were going to get more episodes before we had to do this for the rest of the show, but that's fine. <laughs> I love Jeffster. I think it's like the one thing that Jeff and Lester do that is okay. It was endearing, I guess. I yeah. will give them that. But I think okay. that I don't think it's funny. Okay. I it's my two cents. It's I mean, it's just kinda like it reminds me of Glee. So, you know, anything that reminds me of Glee. I like when people just break into musical covers that are bad. Anyway, Jeff, uh, a comment on their name. Jeff says, originally we were going to go with the name Jester, but we didn't want people to associate us with a couple of fools. Did you think that was funny? It was amusing. All right. We have a modern version of the flashback beginning the episode when Chuck sees Morgan berating Anna while she's with a customer and then after. She admits that she's seeing someone and Morgan is very, very aggressive in a way that made me nervous on the other side of the screen. She makes a mean joke about whether she's dating a man or a woman, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Anna made reference to being bi in the first season, so I don't know what the point of that was. Chuck swoops in just in time and shoes Morgan away like a fly. He apologizes to Anna on Morgan's behalf. She says, you've spent your whole life apologizing for him. Don't you get it? He's never going to grow up. Which I'm completely on her side there. That's, I think, like, she's in a toxic relationship with Morgan, but so is Chuck. Like, Morgan's not being good. But, uh. Like, this scene was, like, practically out of, you know, that show, uh, What Would You Do? Yes. Where they have people, like, bystander. <laughs> like, I feel like Morgan was being so inappropriate at his yeah. job that it was entering that kind of territory yeah. of being, like, what would you do if you saw <laughs> this poor woman trying to do her job and talk to a customer professionally while her idiot, creepy boyfriend is pressuring her to talk to him? Yeah. And I was oh, so gross. Yeah, it was really bad. This might have. I know this. This is a big statement, but I think this might be one of the worst things that I've seen Morgan do. I think this is <laughs> one of the moments where I've thought the least highly of Morgan. This was yes. very, very troublesome to me. Well, I was I was just remembering like this episode drove it home for me that like when I watched this episode, when I watched the show the first time I was like 20 or 21 and I do not remember any of this like I don't remember being grossed out by this I don't like I remember liking Morgan relatively speaking mm-hmm. so I just like I was so shocked I guess like just he was presented to me as like the main character who I liked best friend and I was like oh that's scamp like I don't remember being upset by this at all. So good for maturity and learning that this is bad behavior, I guess. And then, but like, it was so bad that I feel like it reflects poorly onto Chuck where it's like, I can't even stomach Chuck defending that where it's like, and I know that's kind of like a theme of the episode sort of, but I was just like, no, it was bad. 
So Chuck says, there's a million reasons to love Morgan, but unfortunately, maturity is not on that list. So uh, let's list the million reasons to love Morgan. What, what do you got? What's your first one? Uh, he's small, so he's compact. I, and I guess you could, you know, he wouldn't take up that much space in a car if you're riding in the backseat okay. with him. Okay. Um, he has an okay beard. I mean, his hair has gotten better. His- I I don't even know if it's an okay beard. I say he has a beard. I don't know if that's like that's I don't know if that's. Well, good we got to fill up a million. Beard. So it's, I, I think there's going to be yeah, some we can, fluff in we there. We can have that one. Um, much like in Morgan's beard, which he says sometimes has dandruff in it. Yeah, that's true. That's upsetting. I feel bad for him for that, but also not really. Yeah, no. I mean, that's like his one minor uh, thing that goes wrong for him. Everything mm. else seems to turn out okay. All right, well, we'll come back to the million reasons to love Morgan because uh, we have an episode to cover. <laughs> With Casey looking over his shoulder, Chuck expresses interest in Anna's new bow, which she's confused but enthused about. And I made the note here, if we were still in the 3D episode, I suggest confused but enthused as a band name. Ooh, there you or go. an album. Oh, what if it was like confused and then slash enthused? Ah, And the album I like covers that. like them. It's like a mirror reflection. Oh, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Chuck points out that he, Jason, Anna, and Sarah should go on a double date sometime. Anna is, like, so adorably happy about this, and she invites Chuck to a party at Jason's showroom. Is this when, so they're talking, it's Chuck and Sarah, and then Jason and Anna, and, like, Anna was saying that she never, like, she always thought Sarah was really cool. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay, okay. So what Chris is referring to is at the party, Chuck ropes Sarah into trying to convince Anna that Morgan is a great guy. This doesn't go completely as planned because Sarah says she always thought of Anna and Morgan as the perfect couple. And this prompts Anna to be like, I didn't even know you noticed me, which was so I don't know. Like, Anna is so good. And I'm so sad that the show is doing this to her. I had such a whiplash in this moment because like when Sarah was like, I always thought you and you and Morgan were the perfect couple. I wanted to like throw up in my mouth a little bit. And then Anna was like, I didn't even know you noticed me. I was like, oh, I guess like, yeah, they haven't really talked ever. Yeah, I don't. I was like, have they ever spoken? (laughs) But I mean, Sarah is being nice. And she says she's always thought of Anna as a friend. (laughs) Anna calls Jason over and says, this is Sarah and Chuck. They're my friends. And it was so sweet. I just I was thinking like, I don't think Sarah and Anna are drunk enough to be having this kind of conversation of being like, I always just I thought you were too cool for me. No, I I thought you were too cool. I think Anna has just been spending so much time with Morgan and she's just starved for normal human interaction. (laughs) Anna is very sweet. She is. She's very nice. Yeah. Also nice is Jason. He comes over and he warmly introduces himself. I like him. He's got he's got good hair. There's a million reasons to love him. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Morgan is outside the party spying again. He sees Chuck shaking hands with Jason and says, Judas. Just like the Lady Gaga song. Oh, I was going to say like that vine, but you know. Are they going to say, oh, you know, kind of like that Bible. <laughs> kind of like that Bible. <laughs> so uh, back at the Bymore, Lester gets a call from Ellie. The way that the nerd herd answers the phone is apparently nerd herd desk. Download me on your computer emergency. So <laughs> not great. Uh, Ellie wants to know if Chuck is at the store because she and Devin are working on their guest list and their computer froze. Lester says Chuck is out on an install, which is not true. And also, I thought you told Devin he had plans with Sarah later. So couldn't he have just been like off his shift? Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. 
Good catch. Good catch. Good catch. Eagle-eyed viewer. It's the catch of the episode. I get the award. (laughs) Anyway, Jeff is excited about the frozen computer as an opportunity to show off some of Jeff's skills to Ellie, as am I, and you, I guess, are not. (laughs) We also find out that Jeff's full name is Jefferson. I was wondering if you think that it's uh, funnier if his name is actually Jefferson or if Lester is just calling him Jefferson as a way of expanding the name Jeff. Uh, I guess I think the the second one is funnier. Okay, so wh- whichever uh, whichever option you find funnier, you can select because we have no way of proving. It's open way. to interpretation. Yes. So back at the car show, Chuck flashes on a group of triad mercenaries led by one uh, rather badass lady whose name is Smooth. Smooth Lau. As Chuck and Sarah are about to leap into action, Anna approaches Sarah and says that she needs a friend to talk to. So Sarah slips Chuck the tracking bug that they were going to use, and she stays back to talk to Anna. Now, at the Bartowski apartment, Jeff and Lester have fixed Ellie's laptop. Ellie and Devin enter the living room to find that Jeff has set up a microphone and a synthesizer. (laughs) She asks what's going on, and Jeff says that he's getting ready to rock her hard by auditioning to be their wedding band. Ellie asks Devin if he set this up, and he says no, Chuck must have, at which point Ellie realizes that Devin outsourced his wedding to-do list. Not, not good. Ellie tries to politely usher Jeff and Lester out of the apartment, but they mistake this to mean that Ellie wants them to start their audition. Lester is really nervous, so Jeff tries to amp him up, but Lester says that there's no there's no point in auditioning because then inevitably, once they start performing, Jeffster will become too popular and too successful and that they'll end up breaking up due to creative differences and then Lester will accidentally die in a hotel room of autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> so to avoid all of this, Lester storms out of the apartment. That's what happens. I was like, this is kind of funny. I guess I think it's funny. All right. Well, maybe coming I don't back know. around it's on so... Jeffter by no. the end of the episode. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you're eh. going to be singing Africa with all, with the rest of us. I will not be. We then <laughs> return to Chuck, who is sneaking around the back room of the car show and like a warehouse kind of uh, where Jason is being forced by the triad gangsters to open up a large shipping container. Chuck places the tracking bug on kind of like a little, I don't know, like tool cart, kind of like a little garage cart with wheels, Mm -hmm. uh, but manages to knock over a tin can by tripping on a power cord, which alerts the triad gangsters. Not like to his location, but they're they're like, huh, what's going on? They hear a sound. Yeah. If it was if this was Metal Gear Solid, they would have the exclamation points above their head and then they'd start walking around the room. I should have had in like a sealed envelope. Like Chris is going to make a video game reference here because it, as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, "Yeah, this is he's gonna he's gonna say something about Metal Gear." We've so. done we've done a few episodes of the show. I think we we know yeah, how each we, other works. We know. <laughs> uh, so like a Rube, it's Rube Goldberg machine, right? It's not yeah, Rude Goldberg, yeah. although Rude Goldberg no. also another good band name. <laughs> really good band name. <laughs> so like a Rube Goldberg machine, the tin can that knocks over a broom which hits into something else, I forget what, uh, and then that ultimately sends a metal bolt uh, rolling across the cement floor towards the triad. Back out on the, the the sales floor, the main display area of the car show, Anna confides in Sarah that she's torn up because Jason is everything that Morgan is not. And she thinks Good. that she That's should... That's the best description of a man you can give. She should be happy, but she doesn't think that she is. And at this point... I'm personally hoping that Sarah uses her one-on-one time with Anna to really say, without Chuck being there, to be like, well, no, you got to blah, 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 Morgan. Yeah. I was hoping that Sarah's would be like, look, Morgan's a loser. Definitely stay with the handsome rich guy. Yeah. You should not be with Morgan. Do not get back together with Morgan. 
But alas, Sarah does not do this. And she says that it is telling of Anna's feelings that Morgan is the standard which Anna compares all other guys to, which makes Anna believe that she is still in love with Morgan. That's like pretty wise on Sarah's part. Like, I don't know that she she hasn't been painted to know a ton about relationships. And I thought that was a pretty wise statement. Like, even though it's vastly wrong in Morgan's case, like mm-hmm. it was, it's pretty wise to be like, no, like, Anna, you're comparing this guy to Morgan. Like, I thought that was smart. Yeah. As this is happening, Sarah overhears the security guards walkie talkie say that they've found an intruder in the building and she immediately knows that this is Chuck in the warehouse. Chuck is uh, in the warehouse. Chuck is convinced he's about to be spotted. But then the walkie talkie elaborates and says that the intruder is in the parking lot. Hmm. Chuck believes that this is Casey. However, we as the audience know that Morgan is in the parking lot. Oh, man. So cut to Morgan crying out as the triad grab him and his bicycle. Chuck hears this and freaks out, but Casey and Sarah stop him and remind him that they can't blow their cover. This is hard for Chuck because Chuck has a motherly instinct to protect Morgan. Uh, so Chuck eventually caves to that motherly instinct and runs out in the parking lot. The triad interrogates Morgan about who he is and what he's doing. He says that he's nobody, but eventually concedes by sharing what I'm assuming is his World of Warcraft name and like level and stats. Who I knows? Know. That's, triad- I mean, you're the game one on here. The game one. I'm so gamey. I'm like a bad piece of chicken. Oh, man. The triad is about as amused by this joke as I am. And they continue (laughs) to pressure him to tell the truth. At this point, Chuck, Anna, and Jason all run outside to see what's going on. The triad, specifically Smooth, their leader, doesn't believe that this is enough to exonerate Morgan. So she keeps demanding to know who he works for. Chuck speaks up and eventually says that Morgan is not a spy. And he is here because he, well, is stalking Anna. I thought, okay. Well, are you going to say more about what exactly he says? Uh, yeah, I will. Just one okay. second. Okay. So, and for some reason, doing this, like saying that Morgan's a stalker is very difficult for Chuck to say, not because he's trying to justify how his best friend could be a stalker. It's hard because he doesn't want to throw Morgan under the bus. Yeah, of course. Naturally. I was, okay. So... This scene is painted by the show as a huge betrayal to Morgan, like yes. a, as you're saying. And I do not think, I don't think Morgan should take offense to any of what Chuck says until, like, I think Chuck takes it a little far in saying, like, Morgan is a creep and I see why Anna dumped you. Like, all of those things are true and I agree with them, mm-hmm. but they're also like, Chuck doesn't really need to say them, but I think, like, Morgan should. If Morgan was a reasonable person, which we know he isn't, but if he was, he would understand that, like, he's in a bad situation, and Chuck saying, like, no, 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 this guy isn't a spy, he's actually just, like, spying on this girl. Like, that's true, it's a little embarrassing, but I don't think it's a huge betrayal, and I think, like, if Morgan didn't understand that, I think Chuck would, like, Mm -hmm. but then Chuck takes it kind of far and says, like, Morgan's disgusting, so, like, yeah, to that's elaborate. A little much. Yeah, Chuck keeps saying to, you know, really sell that Morgan is not a spy. Chuck says that Morgan is, quote, a profoundly disturbed individual. Uh, he goes on to say that Morgan is obsessed, but totally he's Morgan is an obsessed, but totally non-threatening sicko. And then he eventually tells Morgan to grow up. Yeah, I think like for this to have worked for me, I would have just liked to see like a little bit more like incentive for him saying that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if they like prompted him, like if smooth was like, no, I don't believe you or like something. And then he was like, no, he's disgusting. He's a sicko. Like, I feel like just Chuck, like going there right away made me think like maybe Chuck feels what we're feeling as well. Maybe there's some of that tension. He's like, not as 
is not as pressure uh, to release. Yeah. 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 It felt like a little bit like overkill, but I also think like Morgan got so upset immediately by all that. But I would think like, yeah, if my best friend had to say disparaging things about me to save my life or to save me from getting like my ass kicked by gangsters, I'd be like, okay, cool. Thank you for thinking on your feet. Because like Morgan understands, he understands he's in danger. Yeah. Although we do not accept this as a reasonable excuse. The triad does. And they believe that Morgan is in fact a loser. So they let him go. Morgan, like a wounded animal, retrieves his bicycle and runs away, looking back at Chuck and Sarah uh, with with pain in his eyes. Chuck is upset, but Sarah reminds him that he just saved Morgan's life. But Chuck says, yeah, at the expense of his dignity. Well, male pride. Back in the warehouse of the car place, uh, the triad found the bug that Chuck planted and immediately realized that they were duped. Morgan was a spy after all. Smooth gives orders for her team to kill Morgan. Oh, if only. <laughs> the following day at the Bymore, Morgan is demonstrating a very, very bad lift technique uh, for a box of speakers in the back yeah, room. Yeah, team lift, Morgan. This, this should be a team lift, yes. Yep. Or he should be lifting with his knees oh, or yeah, using some kind of, you know, dolly or what have you. Yeah. But instead, he's lifting with his back by himself. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. The triad don't kill him. These reckless ergonomics will. <laughs> Chuck enters and asks Morgan if he needs help, but Morgan says no. He needs to learn how to do things by himself from now on because he's a martyr. Um, Also, this is irrelevant. I don't know if you saw, but there's a box in the back that clearly shows not only the Disney logo, but also Mickey Mouse. How did did they let that that slide? Did you miss it? I have no idea. No, I did not see it. (laughs) It's in the top right corner. Oh, my God. It's, It's the Disney logo, but not only that, just like a like a bona fide illustration of Mickey Mouse. And I was like, okay. how? Oh, what? Like, did Disney pay to be advertised in this? Or did they I just have a should, Disney uh, box? I think you should report it to Disney so that Chuck gets sued. Yeah. That... <laughs> if Disney's listening to this episode. Hi, Disney. Hey, Disney. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, You should give Aaron a job. Yeah, that would be so good. You could also give me one if you wanted, but I will, I will say Aaron should go first because she is in California. That's really Um, nice. Thank you. Morgan places the box of speakers on a cart and wheels it out of the break room. So Chuck is standing in the back room by himself of the buy more. Jeff approaches him out of nowhere and asks him what Ellie thought of the Jeffster audition. Chuck, who is not a part of that particular B plot, (laughs) says that he has no idea what Jeff is talking about and that he knows that Jeff thinks that all (laughs) that all Chuck cares about is what's new in the snack machine or the weekend weather. But Chuck reminds him. That Chuck has like a mini breakdown and says that, quote, he has the weight of the world on his shoulders and that Jeff needs to figure out whatever wacky B plot he has going on by himself. That was it was pretty badass of Chuck. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> it was I'm surprised this is the first time that Chuck has like a breakdown of being like, <laughs> no, I'm overwhelmed that yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. Back at Castle, Sarah is working at her laptop. Chuck confronts her and says that he's upset that she let him save Morgan by jeopardizing his friendship with him. Sarah says that she gets it. And then Chuck once again says, I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, (laughs) he does not say that. Instead, he says, quote, Sarah, I don't have parents. (laughs) Then he flips up his shirt and he doesn't have a belly button. (laughs) (laughs) I was hatched from an egg. <laughs> yep, that's uh, yes. 
So we're being very cavalier and irreverent right now, but it's supposed to be a nice moment for Chuck or a vulnerable moment for Chuck. Yeah. Uh, Chuck explains to Sarah that, you know, what his relationship with Morgan means to him, mainly that Morgan is like family because Morgan was by his side um, while Chuck was growing up and when both of his parents left and Morgan will be around long after Sarah and Casey leave. And it's actually, I guess, pretty touching and emotional. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was nice. Like, we know who Morgan is and how he behaves. So it's mm. not like, in context, it's not a good explanation. But like, I, I believe like what Chuck was saying. I see how you could like, kind of be blinded by someone's like, less good behaviors by like, your past together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you def- know what? Mm-hmm. what? You know what Sarah has to say about this? <laughs> I do, actually. Let- you don't give a shit. <laughs> Sarah doesn't give a shit. She basically tells Chuck after listening to his speech that since they failed to identify what the triad or shipping in that big shipping container from earlier, they don't know what kinds of guns or drugs are now flooding the city of Los Angeles. This, Sarah says, puts a lot more people's best friends in danger besides just Chuck's. She really don't give a shit. Yeah, no, she doesn't care. I thought I thought that was a nice line from her, too. Like She was like, you know, Chuck... <laughs> A lot of people's best friends are in danger, not just yours. <laughs> and so she she kind of, you could say, is turning around what, what Chuck said to Jeff. Sarah then says to Chuck, she's like, we have the weight of the world on our shoulders and your problems are not as important. Yeah. Gotta figure it out. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's true. That's a good parallel. Literature degree <laughs> to use right now. On this fine evening, Jeff decides to make a solo trip to Ellie and Devin's apartment. Devin opens the door fresh from a workout. So he's looking real, real slick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells Jeff to go away and shuts the door. After getting his hand caught in the door, Jeff asks Devin if he ever had a dream that never really came true, to which Devin responds, no. <laughs> Jeff tells Devin that Lester was afraid to sing in front of them the other day, but he really is talented and has a beautiful voice. Devin is touched that Jeff came all the way to speak on the on behalf of his friend. So Especially he, in LA. He agrees to give Jeffster another chance to audition. Yeah, what this is like... You know, I don't know where Jeff lives. I think Jeff lives in his van, so maybe it's not as big a deal for him. But it's like the equivalent of someone else in another part of the country, like traveling 200 miles to get. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back at the Bymore, Chuck approaches Morgan and Morgan says that he has nothing left to say to Chuck. But then he decides that he does have one last question <laughs> before and he never speaks to him again. How did Chuck betraying him turn into Chuck saving him? And Chuck begins to to apologize, but Morgan reveals that he's upset because the whole situation was his fault. Chuck told him not to be a stalker, and he was a stalker, so he deserved that. Morgan is upset that Chuck had to, once again, bail him out of a sticky situation. Morgan says that it's time for him to pay for his own mistakes and fight his own battles. As he says this, the two of them notice that the triad is wandering around the Bymore, so they duck and sneak into the back room. Chuck and Morgan decide to hide in a pile of big box items. Which is actually pretty clever. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. Chuck says that they should just hide out while Morgan insists that it's time for him to face those thugs and take his beating like a man. He'd rather get the crap kicked out of him by Asian gangsters than have Chuck defend him one more time. As Morgan is storming out, Chuck gets in his way and tells him that his breath is bad. And he shouldn't fight gangsters with bad breath. So he convinces Morgan to let him spray the knockout breath spray from before into his mouth. And as promised, it puts Morgan right to sleep. It came back. It did. Call back. Woo. You know what they say. Knockout mint breath spray. When you see it in the first act, it comes back in the third act. They do say that. It's got to go off. 
Chuck comes back to the sales floor, wheeling around a big box, large appliance. Hmm. When the triad gangsters approach him and ask where Morgan is, Chuck tells him that he went outside for his lunch break and the triad run out of the store, seemingly. As this is happening, Chuck hits the panic button on his watch to notify Sarah and Casey that they're in danger or that he's in danger. Anna then pulls Chuck aside to tell him that Jason, her boyfriend, is on the Buy More TV. As Chuck is watching the television, the triad return to the box that Chuck was moving around before and they hear snoring coming from inside. Chuck flashes on the TV when they show the Chinese ambassador and realize that the triad are going to ambush the ambassador at the car auction. Um, Casey Sarah. (laughs) Not the Chinese ambassador. Casey, Sarah, and Chuck decide that they need to go to the car auction to protect the ambassador. But before they go, Chuck says he needs to secure Morgan, who was, you guessed it, in that big box that Chuck was moving. He was taken. Taken. Chuck runs back to where he left Morgan and is distraught to find that the Morgan box is nowhere to be found. Cut to the triad loading Morgan's box into the back of their triad van at the Bymore loading dock. Sarah, Casey, and Chuck made it to the loading dock just in time to see the triad driving off with Morgan. Sarah, Chuck, and Casey head to the auction. When they get there, Sarah and Casey both tell Chuck to stay in the car because he's like the poster child for friendly fire. (laughs) He's upset about this because it means he can't help rescue Morgan. Luckily for him, Sarah and Casey apparently hit less traffic or took a different route because they're already inside the action when the car with Morgan arrives. Even though it left first. I don't know. L.A. Man. Uh, Chuck gets out of the car and follows. The triad apparently put a bomb inside the Rolls Royce, which was purchased by the Ambassador. Chuck sees this happening. He also sees them putting Morgan into the Rolls Royce's trunk, so they can, as Smooth says, kill two birds with one bomb. Ayo. These bad guys have, like, the most stereotypical bad guy language. <laughs> like, every word they say just sounds like it's from, like, a bad B-movie in the <laughs> 50s. Kill two birds with one bomb. <laughs> Sarah does some Jeff and Lester level spy work because she heads for the shipping container and loudly radios Casey to say it's empty, (laughs) not noticing that Smooth Lau was hiding on the ceiling. Smooth jumps down and she and Sarah fight. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think that they only made Smooth a woman so that it would be chill for Sarah to fight her? And can you remember Sarah ever fighting a man in this show? Those are two good questions and both of thoughts that I had while I was watching this because when she, like, Smooth flips down or like she comes down from the top of the shipping container mm-hmm. and only at that point i was like oh that's why smooth's a lady she's yeah. they, they're, they're gonna have a cool fight or i should have seen yeah. this coming earlier yeah um i was so excited when i first saw her i was like that's really cool and she's like the leader and she's a woman but then it's just so she could fight sarah so she could fight sarah well doesn't sarah fight like i think she sarah fights has, guys i think yeah. she has but like when they have like an extended fight like this it's, it's usually, always other women it's usually a woman or it's like a guy who has wronged her right because i'm picturing like other fulcrum guys that she's fought but this is like a really in-depth really cool fight yeah that they're about to have so the thing about smooth is that she's hot and she's into sarah but she's still beating her up which makes her in my book the perfect woman <laughs> so sarah gets the shit kicked out of her Chuck rolls up next to the rolls and says, stop, there's a bomb in your car. The ambassador responds, it's a triad trap. Go, go. And the car rolls away. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. As Chuck begins chasing them, Casey jumps onto the roof of the nerd herder. 
Meanwhile, Sarah is thrown through a car window somehow, which I should say, like, it's a closed car window. It's not like it's open and she's thrown through. Like, she's mm. thrown through and it breaks all <laughs> around her. Smooth is distracted by a ring on the ground, which I don't know what that was all about because I don't think it comes back. Sarah pulls Smooth into the car and tries to stab her with a broken CD. I thought that was pretty good. I really like this whole fight sequence. I was yeah, like, I wrote, my I, next note is, this is a pretty good car fight. Well, it's cool because they're they're confined to this yeah. just like sedan-sized car, but they're still beating the shit out of each yeah. other. And I thought we the CD had, thing was really resourceful. We have, Yeah, we haven't had one of these scenes in a while that's like where they're like using like what they have around to fight mm. each other. And I really like that. Like So Sarah stabs Smooth with a pen and Smooth tries to strangle Sarah with a seatbelt. Uh, Sarah like reclines the seat and gets out of it. Uh, eventually, she wins the fight by deploying the driver's side airbag, which is no joke. Mm. Those things could, they, they'll kill you if they don't save you. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chuck agrees to let Casey into the car only if Casey agrees to help save Morgan. Once he's in the car, Casey pulls out a weird joystick thing from the glove box and remote controls the car himself, saying, I promised to help you save Morgan. I didn't promise to let you drive. Now, here, here's a question for the future. I actually don't remember what happens with Emmett, but I don't really remember him being like, CIA affiliated, but do you think they were intending to set that up? Because like a few episodes earlier, they were like, Emmett has refurbished all of the nerd herders, and now like they have these remote controls in them. So like, I wasn't thinking that in depth. I just, I, I, I just don't. I assume that the nerd herders can do anything and everything. Since that one episode, or since the first season, where they have that the second steering wheel comes out of that yeah. side. So I really would not be surprised by anything. I don't know if Emmett really was responsible for that. But that's a yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah, I liked I liked it as an idea. I don't I don't think he is, but I guess we'll be surprised either way. Yeah. Back at the auction, Sarah steals a beautiful blue car that I'd know what it was if I knew about cars. It's nice though. While Casey tries to explain that he's CIA to the ambassador's guards, Chuck unscrews the bomb from inside the Rolls Royce and drives away with it in the nerd herder. Casey says Chuck's being an idiot, but Chuck says he's saving Morgan's life, and apparently everyone else's, but he doesn't seem to care as much about that. The bomb has less than a minute on its clock. Sarah arrives and flashes her badge, which Casey also did before, but apparently the guards believe Sarah more than they did Casey, so they decide to let everyone go. Sarah asks where Chuck is, and Casey says heroic imbecile took off with the bomb. We see the bomb counting down on the passenger seat, and then the car blows up. Ah! Chuck's dead, everyone. That's how the show ends. Sarah sees this and she begins sobbing. Casey looks upset too in his own way. But then Chuck steps out from behind them with a remote control. He's fine. So the remote control that we were introduced to two minutes before comes back. But the exploding yes. tennis balls nope. that we've been with since all the way back 40 <laughs> minutes ago. Never, never seen again. I had to watch this scene twice to see like how they did it. Because what happens is we're kind of seeing things from Casey's point of view. So like. Casey is watching as Chuck like runs over to the car and throws the thing in the passenger seat. And then Casey gets pulled away. And then Casey looks back and the car is driving away. So mm. that's that's what that, that's the magic of the pictures, baby. <laughs> well, isn't it? I thought it was that the a train goes by in front of the nerd herd car. Oh, and you I thought, thought that, that Chuck, Chuck jumped, jumped out? out? Yeah, I do not. That's not what I think happened. I think he just went into the car. He grabbed the remote control and then he was like, because he's back with them. Mm hmm. I don't know. I guess either one of them works. 
I, I guess, like, why would the train go by if Chuck wasn't jumping out? I don't know. Either way. <laughs> that's your interpretation. Just, they were filming it on location, and they drove by, <laughs> then a train goes by. They're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. We were so close to almost getting the nerd herder hit by a train. <laughs> so, uh... After giving everyone the shock of their life, Chuck opens the trunk and finds Morgan still sleeping peacefully. Chuck is happy. Chuck brings Morgan back into the storeroom where where he was when he uh, got unconscious in the first place, and Morgan wakes up. He's ashamed that he fainted rather than face the fight, and that Chuck had to save him yet again. In a sweet but misplaced moment, Chuck says, Don't you know who you are to me? And then they make passionate love. It was surprising. It was, but Chuck's really going in a good direction. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Morgan makes a homophobic joke, and then that scene ends. Uh, the next day, Beckman tells them that Smooth Lau, her associates, and Jason have all been taken into custody. They, I was a little bit confused about Jason's role in everything, because they made a pretty big deal earlier about Jason like not knowing what was in the storage container and being kind of reluctant to help them. So, mm-hmm. like, I, do, I don't know. I guess... I guess the point was to show that he's, like, not the worst, but they still have to, like, take him out of the picture for what comes next. For white-collar crime? Yeah. I don't know. It's a whole it's a whole legal thing. If you're a lawyer and you're listening, feel free to reach out. I know we have a yeah. lot of lawyers that listen to this show. Mm-hmm. All the fans of Suits. Is Suits a lawyer show? Could be. It could be. It really could. Uh, we get a shot of Sarah's face, and she's cut up, like, all over. She's just, like, she's got scratches and everything from her fight. But none that, like, severely damage the structure of her face. Like, nothing yeah, no. that still doesn't make her look like a supermodel. She still no. looks good. It's just like, oh, yeah. I just have a cut on my forehead. Yeah. Uh, Beckman says she is late for her evening plans, and Chuck asks what those are. Beckman says she's meeting Condoleezza for Cosmos. Do you like that? <laughs> so Beckman has a personal life, so she should respect that other people have personal lives, so she shouldn't just pop up on Casey's TV unprovoked. Okay, but it's you're not acknowledging anything about Condoleezza. What am I supposed to be like picking up on the alliteration between Condoleezza and Cosmos? What what am I supposed to be picking up on here? I don't know. It's exciting that Beckman is friends with Condoleezza Rice. I guess so. And also, like NBC, she really would have been the Secretary of State at the time. Yeah, but no, she wouldn't have been. Well, I don't know which I don't know what she would have been, but uh, NBC likes making references to her because doesn't a uh, Jack date her on Thirty Rock or something? Oh, that's true. So I don't know. I think I was I was I just thought it was a cute detail. I thought it was funny. I didn't know you were the number one Condoleezza Rice fan. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't like don't uh, list me as that. I need to do some more research into exactly what she did and does now. But uh, I think it's funny. I'm sure it's probably somewhat better than whatever is happening right the second yes with the that, State much Department, I'll, so. that much i'll say the next day Devin brings ellie to the buy more while explaining that he bought the flowers got the cake and took care of ellie's half of the to-do list i understand that this is supposed to be a nice moment but also i feel like they should have just coordinated like they could have just worked together because what if Devin picked something that ellie doesn't like he could have got a bad cake Anyway, they're at the buy more for Jeffster's audition. Ellie is horrified, but Devin asks her to trust him. Meanwhile, Jeff and Lester have a really sweet moment where Lester admits to being scared, and Jeff reassures him and tells him he can do it. Once again, I really love these moments where Jeff gets to be, like, emotional instead of an idiot. Mm-hmm. It's nice. They fist bump, and then Lester sings Africa by Toto, your favorite song. It's almost as bad as Weezer's cover of Africa. <laughs> It wasn't good, but I I thought it was cute. 
I think, I mean, I when this episode came out, I'm assuming that the song Africa was not having some kind of weird pop culture resurgence like it is yeah. now. So it probably was a little bit more quirky and weird and probably, yeah. you know, out there and fun. Well, this is actually, this is going to be um, another Aaron Lives Under a Rock corner. But mm. um, I this was the first time I ever heard this song. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I have a soft spot in my heart for Discover. <laughs> In the crowd, the Bymore employees rock out, and Devin tells Ellie he's not seriously considering Jeff for their wedding, but he wanted to let Jeff and Lester live their dream for five minutes. He could have said this before, but it's nice. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah apologizes to Chuck for not being more sensitive about his friendship with Morgan. She says it's difficult because she doesn't have anyone in her life who cares about her. Chuck says, yeah, you do. That was nice. That was sweet. Aww. And then the episode ends, and we don't have to deal with anything else. But it, so it ends with Chuck and Sarah holding hands next to Morgan and Anna holding hands. Oh, yeah. OK, well, there is there is more. I just wanted to not talk about it uh, in the locker room. Morgan approaches Anna. I thought he was about to apologize for being a creep, which would have been kind of nice. But instead, he starts to say that he loves her, then can't even do that. He's rewarded for everything, though, when she kisses him fiercely. And and then that's kind of the end. Everybody's holding hands. Um, I yeah. want Anna to get out of this relationship, and that's uh, all I have to say. It makes more sense as you know this ending, theoretically leading into the beginning of Chuck versus the Suburbs, where it's Valentine's Day, and Morgan yes. comes up and says, "Look at it! Look at us! We both have girlfriends." Because at yeah. the end of this episode, he's like, "We have both have girlfriends." Yeah, and I was like, "Ah, the yeah, pieces are coming together." Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, Obama got in the way. <laughs> You heard it here first. Number, <laughs> number one Condoleezza Rice fan, Aaron Arata. <laughs> that damn Obama mixing up our, our Chuck schedule. Yep. Uh, so Chuck, season two, episode 14. Chuck versus the best friend. Uh, I, I noticed a couple of signs this week. I don't usually oh, please, spearhead. Please it's a me. sign, but sometimes it's I do. It's a sign. It's a sign. Uh, so these were in the back room when Morgan and Chuck are talking. Uh, first sign says buy more repair center fast repairs equals smiling customers oh i saw that too and i paused it to read it a couple times because like the way it's formatted i was like fast repairs equals smiling like i didn't understand it as a sentence i was like fast repairs equals smiling customers i was <laughs> i was reading it like <laughs> i wasn't reading equals as like a thing between it i was like Smiling customers, fast repairs. Like I was, it was I was really confused, but now I understand. Fast repairs equal smiling customers. <laughs> fast repairs equal smiling customers. I was and, like, "What's a smiling customer?" <laughs> <laughs> it's someone who's <laughs> when you when you do something <laughs> nice for a customer, they smile. Oh, okay, I, I understand. That's that never happened that. to me in no. Walmart. Uh, there's another sign, too, that says buy more. The buy more service guarantee never takes a break. Yeah, they really like those kinds of signs. I've been noticing a lot of signs, but they're all signs that we've highlighted before just in like different areas. Mm. Like I noticed in the next episode, which I guess I could highlight in that episode, but I'm going to do it here. I noticed that there's a sign that says through these doors walk the smartest customers. Oh, so it's a it's kind of a play on the other signs that we've seen. I was kind of wondering about the the purpose of the signs specifically these two because they're in kind of weird spots like there's one that's just like in the middle of the wall and i was just kind of wondering like who do you think on like whose job is it to place the signs do you think the signs are covering up things or do you think that the signs are like 
they look the director of photography looks at the shot and is like oh we could use like a little bit more of a visual i would say that i would say because a lot of like i think some of the signs you're talking about are in like the back room which is pretty gray and concrete so it Mm -hmm. probably helps to have like a sign there just as like a pop of color Mm -hmm. but i'm not a director of photography what do i know (laughs) what the hell do you know (laughs) i'll tell you something that you know you know how chuck mary kill works oh i do but please explain it again anyway every other listener of the show chuck mary kill we highlight one part of the episode that we love that's the mary part and then we highlight one part of the episode that we want to kill because uh, we didn't like it. And I guess that's the the kill part. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like given this episode, we should probably start on the kill. Maybe yeah. makes more sense. OK, you, like you, can, you can go first if you like. <laughs> feel like we're, we're probably more or less on the same page. Yes, m- most likely. Um, I feel like a little tired with the kills. Like I really wanted to find something else that I hated as much, but there wasn't anything. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like all the all the stuff with Morgan, I know we've been talking about it for a while. I know he's a fictional character, but I just wish that the other characters would criticize and challenge more Morgan more and hold him accountable for all the shit. Yeah, that would be so nice. And he treats Anna like a piece of meat and she's totally yeah. fine with it, which, yeah. you know, I, I've said before, like if that's the, the kind of character choices that like if this is a part of Anna's character development where she in one episode at the beginning of the episode, she's like, Chuck stop apologizing for Morgan and all of his garbage behavior. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, she like takes him back. Like that's definitely a personality trait and that's a real relationship. But yeah. I feel like it's not that they're not trying to comment on that. It just seems no. like she's they're, just kind of two dimensional. Yeah, they're just like she is. She exists as like a thing for Morgan. Like she doesn't really exist yeah. as her own complex character, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Um, yeah, my kill is pretty much the same thing. I just blanketed it as like Anna getting back with Morgan, but really everything that Morgan does in this episode, like this the scene in the Bymore, like when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, that was really like really upsetting. <laughs> it was also scary. Like Morgan is not someone that I find threatening in most episodes. Like he's he's just right. not. But like in that specific moment, and then when he was mad at Chuck, like there's just like these like warning bells that I'm like, oh god, like this is this is scary like he's unstable yeah because he kind yeah. of like when he was talking to anna in that scene in the with the buy more when she was with the customer it was like veering into just like really creepy controlling boyfriend yeah. territory yeah like which when he's not he usually does, in yeah like when he's just like a little bearded man like he's he's just kind of like immature and like relatively harmless but like when he's when he's expressing anger i'm like oh god this is not good <laughs> so um so I guess the the Mary portion, um, I would say that I kind of have a a multifaceted answer this All week. Right. I think that I do. I liked Chuck's monologue about his friendship with Morgan because I mm-hmm. feel like that provides a lot of context for mm-hmm. their relationship and why, you know, Chuck is still friends with him. And there is mm-hmm. that kind of emotional core. Yeah. Um, that keeps him together and might cause him to overlook all of Morgan's bad behavior, which I think mm-hmm. is interesting. And I'm glad that they brought it up. I like that the episode also between all the characters kind of explored like friendship and companionship as a theme, which I thought was interesting. I feel like they don't always have those parallels, but it was like Ellie and Awesome, Jeff and Lester, uh, Beckman and Condoleezza Rice. Uh, (laughs) That's my favorite to explore. (laughs) um, I just thought it was interesting. I felt like they they kind of had a lot of different takes on it. But I think the line that I laughed the hardest at was that when uh, Devin wakes up Chuck 
mm-hmm. in the morning and he's sitting there covered in blood mm-hmm. and he's like hey what are you gonna do today and chuck's like <laughs> uh probably go to work and i was like yeah you probably would go to work chuck you're not the normal person would wake up and be like i'm going to work and he's yeah. like yeah maybe go to work probably yeah but then the line that i loved was when after chuck's like yeah i might i'm probably going to work might hang out with sarah later and then Devin says, well, considering your mellow sketch. <laughs> mellow sketch would be a good band name, too. Which I just feel like as uh, someone who is recently unemployed for five months, I feel like <laughs> rather than saying I was unemployed, I could say, like, no, I just had a pretty mellow sketch <laughs> for five months. It's really good. That's good. Uh, mine is also a Devin. Oh, nice. A Devin line. Um, you made reference to this earlier, but it's when uh, Jeff says, have you ever had a dream that's never come true? And Devin says, no. I, I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> he dreams Because of course be... he hasn't. Like, uh, I just imagine, like, he grows up in Connecticut, he moves to California, he's a surfer, he's a doctor, he has the beautiful woman, he gets married. Like, he just... And not in, like, a bad way that he gets everything he wants. He's just... He just gets it. He it just works, works hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, a fun fact about this episode is that it received the lowest number of viewers uh, to this up to this point in Chuck history. So <laughs> nobody cared about Morgan, I guess. Everybody saw the coming attractions and was like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Wait, so this was the one that was preempted by the speech or the last one was preempted by the speech? Yeah, I believe that this one was preempted by the speech and then they just swapped it because Chuck versus the Suburbs took place on Valentine's Day. So they made oh, okay. nothing happen that time. Then they had Truck versus the Suburbs, and then they had this. Okay. So after um, after the heights of the 3D post-Super Bowl episode and the Suburbs episode, this one dropped right down. Interesting. Yep. I don't know why that happened. It's hard to know. <laughs> Viewers are so fickle. We're not, look, we're not TV programming experts. We don't know how it works. I don't know what, like, you know, saying that a show got, like, a, what is it? It's like, you say, like, oh, this got a, like, a a seven but it equates to like a four million people watching it i don't know i don't know how tv ratings work okay nope anyhow i do know how the scooter scale works and yes, i know you do. how those please, ratings please work explain. so on a scale of zero to five corn dogs how we rank this episode aaron i would love to hear your ranking oh i would love to tell you um i'm gonna give it a three okay um i thought that I liked, like, the things that you're pointing out about, like, the friendship parallels, like, I I would have liked this episode as, like, an episode with characters that I like. Like, if it wasn't, like, focused around, like, Morgan being creepy, mm-hmm. I think, like, it kind of had uh, some interesting things that it was delving into, but I didn't really, um, like, the, I, I could not ignore the fact that, like, the premise of the episode was just, like, Chuck defending Morgan and not in a way where it's, like, like you were saying with Anna, like, it's, they go into it a little bit more with Chuck that like, oh, he can't like he can't stop apologizing for Morgan. He's always going to want to defend Morgan. And that's just a part of him. And it's because of their past and everything like they delve into it a little bit more. But it's definitely still not like like at the end of the show, Chuck is not going to be like, oh, Morgan's like not a good friend and I need to get away from him. Like he's not a good person. It's always going to be like, oh, he's just like he's my friend. So mm-hmm. he's not really learning anything. Um, and Morgan just gets rewarded for all of his bad behavior in one way or another. So I don't like that. But uh, there were some good parts of the episode. I do like Jeffster. Um, I like hearing Africa for the first time. Uh, 
And I liked, I don't know, I think um, I was a little disappointed by Devin, like, outsourcing the wedding things, but it did lead to some funny, um, like, situations, so I can, I can forgive him for that. What about you? I will also give it a three. Okay. Um, I wasn't, I don't know, I, I am tempted to say it wasn't, like, egregiously boring or bad, mm-hmm. but, like, when you start the episode rooted in creepiness, it's hard yeah. to recover from that in my book, yes. but I think that they did, you know, I enjoyed the, there being an emotional core at the episode with Chuck. Uh, oh, and, and the fight was good. I forgot to mention the fight. Well, the fight was, the fight was really cool. Yeah. I liked the fight a lot. Yeah. Um, I liked the different explorations of friendship as a theme, yeah. um, and I appreciated Sarah's legitimate concern for the split second when she thinks mm-hmm. that Chuck just blew up. Yeah. Um. I thought yeah, there that were definitely was really some good. good moments. But I think in terms of like the plot, like it were never this is just like a one off. It doesn't tie into any yeah. kind of larger. Yeah, there wasn't even like fulcrum or anything. No, it was just kind of its own contained thing. Yeah. So I think ultimately it's pretty forgettable. And mm-hmm. obviously there's stuff that we didn't like in it. But I think it's I don't know. It's just kind of like I feel like it all weighs out for to be a pretty, pretty neutral three. Middling. Yeah. Middle of the road. Yep. Chuck versus the best friend. Chuck versus the best friend. The lowest rated Chuck episode of season two. I didn't say rated. I said watched. Oh, watch. Oh, well, I meant like in terms of TV ratings, not like, oh. like, you know, reviews. Oh, OK. Yeah, you're right. I don't know these terms. <laughs> That's not you got to be confident when you go to your friend's wedding. You got to be like, I know all about television programming. I know all the terminology. I know all about television programming. And please sit in your seat <laughs> and please come because we're going to dance now. <laughs> Are you going to have a microphone? No. You're not? No. There's no microphone? I don't think so. Are you going to get a, like, a loudspeaker or like a, a blowhorn? Oh, I could, I could look into <laughs> An that. An air horn? <laughs> 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 Sit down. But you know who I'm going to suggest for their uh, their music performance. Jeffster? Yes, Jeffster. Yeah. You can just sneak a Jeffster MP3 into their... If there's one on Spotify, hell yeah. I don't know. That could jeopardize your friendship. That's okay. And you have to choose which photos you're going to take, too? Aaron versus best friend. Uh, Yeah, well, just, like, I'm going to go through, like, popular wedding photos and be like, we like this. We we would like to have, like, the one with the bridesmaids with their arms in the air. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. You should you should make a list of, every like, a lot of photos, but they all have you in them. Like, <gasps> the bride and the groom aren't in all of them, but you're definitely in all of them. <laughs> so it'll be, yeah. like, me with... <laughs> Like the groom's parents, yeah. me with the groom's cousins. Yeah, that's good idea. Thank you. That was a very valuable suggestion. That's well, that's what I like about the show is that we can not only review Chuck, but also provide, you know, wedding planning tips. I really think that's kind of what the show is all about. <laughs> yeah, that's a part of our market is uh, people planning weddings. So if you're having a Chuck themed wedding and you need help planning it. Oh, that would be cool. Just put it out there. Anyone? Yeah. Get married, do a Chuck themed wedding. Get Aaron and I involved. We'll DJ. We'll we will MC your Chuck themed wedding. We should get uh, Adam Baldwin to DJ though, because Casey was a really good DJ that one time. Adam Baldwin will be the DJ. We will just be the MCs, kind of yes. you know hosting everything. Yeah. Maybe one of us will officiate your wedding, but Chuck themed weddings. It's going to be our new side business. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to go get started with that. I'm going to go get that registered with what I don't know where you get new businesses registered. At an office. Oh. <laughs> well, it's not an invention. It. I don't know. Yeah, the truck, the go truck yourself truck wedding guarantee patented. I did it. <laughs> so I guess I got to go to business school or something now. So I'm going to sign off. This has been 
fun. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erin Rada, letting you know that anything is possible. That's right. Even Chuck forgiving Morgan. The rains down and out. Turning just, a blind eye. I'm just playing you out. All right, that's fine. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.